Hello, Swan Hill Christian Fellowship. Thank you for having me back again for this second message on personal change. I'm going to pretty much move straight into it and uh, and uh, try to focus on this kind of mode of doing stuff. It's very different not having you there with me, uh, but that's all good. Let's pray. Oh God, we we pray every year. We make um, uh, reference to dreams and visions and goals, and often we come short and. Uh, and we make New Year's resolutions and all sorts of things. And that's all good for what it is. But your promise comes, your gospel comes with the, the power to save, the power to change, the power to um, motivate us to truly be transformed, not only to motivate us, but to work and partner with us in a, a, a true human transformation process. And uh, it's a, so much a part of our calling as Christian people to engage with you in that process. Uh, and I thank you for the, the faith and the uh, presence of your Holy Spirit to enable these things for every listener here now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining with me in this message. Um, I spoke on change last time and a few of the ramifications of how we've dealt with uh, that in the churches. And, um, and uh, this time I want to take it a little bit further um, um, and I just like to frame it right off the top and every now and again, I'll look to the side there because I've got some notes on an iPad there, uh, that I need to flick through to jog my memory along and make sure I'm following some th the things. And I really want to frame this message in the context of our, uh, apprenticeship to Jesus, really. Um, people were, who followed Christ were really called Christians uh, in a derogatory sense in the New Testament a couple of times, but by far the majority description of our own scriptures of Christian people, of followers of Christ in the New Testament uh, as disciples, and which can be translated students or apprentices. I love the translation of apprentice because it gets us out of the classroom and it gets us into... Um, real change in our lives rather than just information transfer into our minds. We all know the experience of, um, you know, let's go and do a discipleship course. I've done a, a few of them over the years. Um, and looking back, uh, I can say that I enjoyed them and the information was good. Um, but I've come to a different way of thinking about it these days. How, how we change, um, is it possible that we can really change and how we change are questions that, I'll be asking in this message as we uh, zoom along through it. Uh, no pun intended there. I'm zooming right now. But so I wanted to frame it in the context of our apprenticeship to Jesus and the journey of following Christ is that apprenticeship and it's over a lifetime. And the context is that um, apprenticeship to Jesus really revolves around pretty much three goals, I think, without oversimplifying too much. And the first goal is to be with Jesus. And we see that in the scripture, that the, the disciples were called to be with him. You and I are called to be with Jesus. And look, just as Jesus was with his own father, we are called to be with Jesus. And Jesus called us to that through the Holy Spirit when he said that when, where I go, you can't come, uh, but I will, my father, I will, I'll go to return to my father and and uh, will send the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit will communicate my will and my presence 
and my very being to you uh, through his presence in your life. And uh, really build a bridge uh, to you from the Father and from the Trinity, really, back, back to earth. And um, the Holy Spirit uh, will um, encircle you with his counsel, uh, his love, his comfort, his strength, um, and everything that the Father's shown me that I, he will show you on my behalf. And, and in that way, the Holy Spirit becomes the bridge that, uh, to the presence of the Father and, and, says, and to the activity of, of God in the world today. And, uh, and so Christ was able to say, you are not orphans, or I have not left you. Uh, as orphans or, or without the, the great divine companion. And so to be with Jesus, John 15, Pastor Collins talked about that recently, the uh, call to abide in Christ, to make our home in him, to live in his presence, to walk in his presence. This is learning what it is to be with Jesus and to not shrink from that call and from that place of um, um, opening ourselves to the very presence of Jesus Christ um, in many, many different ways. And the second of the three parts of a goal to be apprenticeships to Christ uh, could be said to be come like Jesus, to become like Jesus. And the scripture talks about that in various places, how Second Corinthians 3.18, how we are uh, beholding his, him with unveiled face, nothing between us and God, essentially. Um, that's been, uh, whatever's stood between us has been removed, taken away like a veil. And, um, and there's nothing between us now. And so with unveiled face, we uh, are changed from glory to glory as we behold him, uh, the brightness of his face. Uh, and of course, there are other scriptures that talk about that too. And so becoming like Jesus, that process of change uh, being uh, made over into his image. As I said in the first message, every pastor, every priestly Christian and disciple knows the, um, the, the, the agony uh, in a sense that they feel within when they're with uh, other Christians, other, other family of God members, uh, the desire to see them um, each one um, to see Christ formed in them. Galatians 4.19, the Apostle Paul talks about that. And um, uh, end of Colossians 1, uh, or is it Philippians 1? Uh, I think it is Philippians 1.28 or Colossians 1.28. I haven't looked that up right now. I'm going off the top of my memory. But uh, Paul talks about um, really extending himself for that purpose, that Christ would be formed in people's lives. And, uh, and so that, that he, could, as a minister, could present them to the father um, uh, as a bride to the groom, uh, etc. And uh, this is a key aspect of church ministry and church life. And it's all about becoming like Jesus Christ. It's all about real transformation in the church and in the people of God. And the third goal is to do what he did. So one, to be with Jesus, two, to become like Jesus, three, to do what he did. And that's a real distillation that is, is very simple to say three things, but that's essentially what it means to let our lives revolve around apprenticeship to Jesus Christ, 
to be disciples. And, um, and of course, right off, right off the cuff, I'd like to say that uh, in Luke 6, 39 and 40, Jesus had a little, what's called a little parable. It's a little proverb, probably more than a little parable, I think. It's so small, just two little sentences, verses. And he says that, uh, it says, can, Jesus said, can a blind man lead a blind man? And of course, the answer is no. And uh, he goes on to say, wouldn't they both fall in a ditch? And of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> and an apprentice doesn't lecture his master or go beyond his master, um, is, is the paraphrase. And, and the second point of that verse 40 in Luke 6 says, the point is to be careful who you follow as your teacher. Today, we have what we call open source learning. People can, uh, you know, people follow people on Instagram and Twitter and so on. You know, they have, they follow so many people. They have put so many people follow them as to what that means there. But who you let speak into your life is, uh, uh, and who you let influence your life is, it's, there are so many sources that we can tap into and, and Jesus is really saying right up the front there about following him that we need to be careful who we let follow us. And um, Jesus regularly called uh, leaders in Israel blind guides and uh, uh, the student slash disciple or apprentice is not above uh, his or her teacher, but everyone who is fully trained, it says, will be like uh, their teacher. Notice the whole point of apprenticeship is to become like Jesus. Uh, have you lost sight of that? Has your church's ministry lost sight of that? Has that moved over to some appendix position or some other place? Have we lost the call, uh, lost our sense of focus into that space? Let's call it back and let's call it back in this message amongst others, no doubt. It's not the call of Jesus and to apprenticeship is not to know your Bible and theology. Uh, one of the big scriptures in my life is in John chapter five. Uh, I can't remember the verse now off the top of my head, but you can look it up if you want to. But, you know, Jesus says to the Pharisees and that you guys search the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have life, but they are they which testify of me. And yet you refuse to come to me for the life that you need for the life that you need. And I've said many times over the years, I have, you know, a fair bit of knowledge of scripture and way more than what I live. And I'm being conscious of that gap. And I hit a time, I hit a period in my life where, uh, you know, I'd been, I'd led a worship team in a growing church for over a decade. And, uh, and I was um, then called to administer and look after um, aspects of training uh, with the CRC materials, um, etc. And uh, I really, became disheartened with that because so much of it was just at the information level and uh and and there was almost no theology of practice and apprenticeship and application there in that and um 
it really frustrated me and I, I, I became very disheartened with it because I think I was learning that, um, that we need more than information transfer uh, into our heads to have another discipleship course or another study on discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus. Um, we needed to go further than that. We needed to teach people as Jesus did in his own manifesto of life in the kingdom as disciples and apprentices, the Sermon on the Mount, the chief uh, passages in Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Uh, every believer, every Christian, every person who's in the way of Jesus needs to drench themselves in those chapters uh, for what it means to be apprenticed to Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're an apprentice, I've written down, if you are an apprentice, then we are on a collision course with a radical overhaul from the inside out to become like Jesus. I've already quoted uh, a couple of scriptures there that I had. The key question I'd like to ask in this message of you and indeed of myself that I do ask uh, pretty much uh, routinely uh, question is really radical change really possible inside the heart, not just giving up smoking, not just not looking the wrong way at the opposite sex, not just not murdering people and all those outward things, not just um, uh, outwardly appearing really cool and, and uh, chilled instead of being anxious an anxious presence in wherever you are. Uh, but actually having peace come inside your soul having the dignity and purity of, uh, of love as you look at other people inside your very being and feeling that as God feels it to some extent. Um, inner change, not just on the outward being restrained, but still having, like Jesus said, dead men's bones on the inside, you know, the, the life of the old life, um, still just chipping away on the inside uh, at you and creating this tension. So as I said, coming back to quickly my story, I, I grew very dissatisfied with the lack of deep change in my own life. And, and look, in a nutshell, it wasn't that I did not want to find deeper change. Uh, it was more that I really wasn't sure how to. And I didn't seem to have a clear um, picture or pathway to that. I'd certainly been to plenty of uh, studies and discipleship courses and things like that, that were um, held out the promise of um, making me into a disciple really, or an apprentice. But in reality, um, it didn't really happen like that, you know? And so uh, information transfer is good for all it is, but it's one uh, small and perhaps even a beginning part. So I would say that um, I'd like to, move over and look at um, a few things to a few of the ingredients to do with change. But before I do, I'd like to say, uh, like to talk for a few moments about the fact that change is inevitable in our lives, that we are all from the time that we wake up, if you're breathing, if you've got a heartbeat, you are under multiple shaping forces 
um, without even having to think twice about it, you wake and go into your day. You are like a fish in water. You are being shaped by your culture. You're being shaped by uh, the stories you believe. You're being shaped by people that you hang out with. You're being shaped uh, by the habits that you've formed and that become the repetitive grooves of your life. You know, there's this saying that um, have a thought and uh, uh, and then a thought becomes um, uh, an act and then an act becomes um, a habit and then a habit becomes a character and a character becomes our destiny. <laughs> and there's another saying, I love it too. It says, talking about vice and virtue, that uh, vice are uh, the habits uh, that we have that destroy our lives and virtue are the habits that build our lives. And so not surprisingly, we have Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. And what does he talk about when he talks in chapter 6, verse 1? He says, when you practice, and then he mentions uh, just, as a, just as a quick sample of a few things, he says, when you practice giving alms or giving, uh, do it like this, but don't do it like that. If you do it the wrong way, that practice, even though it's a practice of righteousness, he says, uh, if you practice it the wrong way, it'll shape you the wrong way and it'll make you, it'll point your life in the wrong direction. You'll become an ugly shape. And he says, when you pray, do it like this and don't do it like that. You know, you'll, you'll notice if you read there in Matthew six, you'll see it, you know, don't pray and make a big show of it on the corner, you know, and everything in front of everybody. And so that you can be a, some kind of um, religious star of the show kind of thing. Uh, but do it in secret who your father sees and rewards. And he's talking about the way that you can mispractice the right thing uh, and get it wrong. And it can shape you the wrong way. And, shrink your life rather than make you more like your master, like the one you're apprenticed to. And, uh, and so he talked about when you fast, not if you do, but when you do, don't do it these ways because that'll misshape you, but do it the other ways. So what I want to talk about now, right now, is that um, we can, in this message, is that when we get up, we are being shaped by forces all around us all the time. The stories we believe and the lies we believe in that are embedded in those stories uh, that are coming at, at us like through social media and through movies and images and things that we associate with things in our lives. And we're storied beings and we're built to make sense frame by frame out of the pieces of our lives so, uh, to attempt to have an explanatory story for the things that happen to us and within us. And we try to make sense of it and we're built that way. Uh, that's the way God's built us, but it makes us subject to false stories and uh, completely wrong stories about where we came from and what we're here for and where we're going. And then of course there's habits, as I began to say before, the habits that, there are thick habits and thin habits. I have a habit of brushing my teeth, you know, uh, which doesn't make a lot of difference to my life or in, though in some ways you could say it could health wise and um, oral hygiene wise. And that can apparently affect other things if that goes really haywire, but it's a thin practice. It's, it's one of those habits that doesn't tend to have a lot of consequence for your life in a lot of ways, but then there are thick habits. There are, there are, uh, uh, things that uh, make a big difference when they become habitual over time. 
in our lives and they're good habits that build build our lives or they can be bad habits that uh that really shrink our lives and uh, bring bring us um uh, not good but uh but evil in a way and then you know there are uh there are relationships for people we connect with and hang out with our our tribes um our churches our communities where we where we have community do those relationships uh you know uh encourage us in the right direction the direction that god wants us to go or not and then there's the general environment that the areas that we live in the towns that we live in the cities that we live in um those things have an impact upon us just uh, we all know the saying um you know spot the tourist uh, because if you're a local and you see somebody come into town that's uh you know from somewhere completely different they might dress really different they might look really different and it's just really obvious that they are not one of us you know not one of this community but maybe over time if they're living with us they might become more like us they might talk like us a bit more they might start to dress like us a bit more they might even absorb some of our values so for better or for worse you know the stories we believe the um the habits we create the uh, relationships that we have uh, and the in the environment in which we live all of those things kind of com can combine to um um to aid us and assist us in our uh passion to be to gain christ as paul said in philippians 3 to become like him uh on the inside not just holding on by grim death on the outside but being full of old and other things on the inside and um and so we're gonna the reality is there is no neutral ground we're all being transformed by multiple things all the time and that the question really is who will you follow what shaping force will you allow to shape you and have authority in your life paul said in romans chapter 12 verse 2 he said don't be conformed to those patterns and to those things in this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind, which in that context was not just talking about our belief system, the information that comes and goes in our head, it's talking about our soul, really, our psyche, our, our inner being, be transformed by its renewal. And of course, the message brings that very verse out wonderfully and says, don't, don't go uncritically and unthinkingly into every day of your life as you're about out and about doing things uh, be, become aware of the water that you swim in as the fish you know um, you've heard the story of the two fish and one swims by and says to the other how's the water today and the uh the fishy says that too sort of thinks to himself what water um we often we go through life unaware of what's what things are doing to us we do things and particularly those things that we do habitually are in fact doing something to us. What are they doing to us? What are we doing? And what are the things that we do doing back to us to shape us, to become the people that we are? And is that congruent with discipleship to Christ and apprenticeship to Christ? That's what we're asking ourselves in this message. <laughs> The question isn't, are you an apprentice of something or somebody, but who are you apprenticing yourself to? 
Whose voice are you following? Which teacher are you following? Are they blind, leaders of the blind? Or, and who will cause you to hit a dead end or fall in a ditch and discover that, oh, not what I thought it was when I started out. Not really true, not really that effective, etc. Jesus is not a leader of the, a blind leader of the blind and he seeks to lead us to, to true change. And so, <laughs> I talked about habits, talked about relationships, and now I want to look at those things a little bit, a little bit differently. And, um, and uh, we are shaped by and formed by our experiences. Again, the things that we habitually do, do something to us. That's a scary thought that so much of this can be going on without any effort on our part. It just, we're just subject to it. We're swimming in it. And the scary thing is that all you have to do is wake up and you are a part of a whole bunch of forces that are shaping your life. Romans 12.2 tells us not to swim passively through those waters, um, but to um, align ourselves with a different current, uh, with a different way of being that can really uh, put us on the Jesus way and change our lives. So that is unintentional formation. Before I go any further, I want to talk about uh, just briefly uh, repeat uh, two common myths in the change process. And that one is that all we need to do is get lots of scripture into our minds. <laughs> that my friend is information transfer. It's good. As far as it goes, I have lots of scripture in my mind. I've been a rabid Bible studier and reader and meditator and the scriptures itself encourage that. But that is only one part of the change process and one ingredient that we've looked at already. Uh, as I said to you before, Christ himself said, uh, uh, you to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, that you search, diligently search the scriptures because you think that in them you have life, but they are they which point to me and yet you and speak of me and yet you refuse to come to me that you might have the life that you so very need, much need. You refuse to come to me to have the life you need. And um, that's been a story of my life for some years, I think. I've often said I find it easy to learn knowledge and to have information, but not as easy to open myself to God and to, to the practices of righteousness to, be, to help me open myself to the ways of God and the currents of grace and to be changed in a deeper way. And of course, that's that's the first myth uh, that uh, information transfer will will do it for us, and um, and of course, <coughs> Rene De De Descartes, I call it Descartes, uh, the French philosopher of the um, early modern period, uh, the 1500s. I think it may be a little bit later. I haven't got it in front of me, but he was famous for saying that um, I think, therefore I am, and it almost became. Uh, like a mantra of the age of reason, as it was called, um, in those uh, few centuries between then and now. 
and really impacted the West a lot. So, so much so that we looked at ourselves, looked at human beings as um, thinking receptacles. If you could just get good thoughts and proper thoughts, not just positive thoughts, but true thoughts and particularly scientifically true thoughts as we understood science in that way, that those things could help us to progress as a culture, as, as a nations and also as individuals. And, uh, but the reality is that we are more than thinking things. We actually become what we love. Now, Rene Descartes was a very smart guy and uh, he, um, he, he had a big influence in that regard. But today, most people know that that is a small view of human beings. We are so much more than the information we have in our heads or than even than what we believe in our heads. Uh, there's a, a much newer and more nuanced understanding of human nature now that says that we are fundamentally lovers of things and we move incessantly toward our imagine what we imagine to be a good life or the good life of some sort uh, for us, what our vision of what we think will be the good life. And we move toward that, uh, toward those things that we uh, desire and that we love. So Christ, as our master asks us, the key question that he asks all of us is, what do you want? Not what do you believe? Not what do you think or believe in your head? But what do you really want? What do you long for? What do you desire? What do you love? Because we are what we love and we are becoming the things that we love. And of course, scripture says that in another way. It says what you worship, another word for love in a way, really, and desire. What you worship, uh, you will become like. And so that's a different way of looking at uh, one of the key elements of what brings change in our lives. <clears throat> and so we realized that Rene, though he was a smart guy, he was actually wrong in that regard. And, um, and so now we look a lot more to the things that we love. And a second myth about change that was very common in particular uh, among Pentecostal and charismatic kind of churches, I am led to believe for many years, uh, was the idea that, um, that we don't have to do anything, that God will do it all. Uh, almost as if we could download it, you know, uh, uh, with, with uh, Rene Descartes, you know, I think, therefore I am. The idea was that if I could think um, uh, almost like I could just download peace instead of anxiety or uh, love instead of hatred or patience instead of um, uh, irritability and an inability to see ahead and endure things. Um, all these fruits of the spirit, they're opposites all the opposites that, you know, if is almost, I can just think it and go, ah, thank you, Jesus, download. Uh, now I've got it. Now I'm peaceful and, and all that sort of stuff. It's just a false way to understand the nature of change. And so this is a, a second one, the idea that uh, we don't have to do anything, that it's all up to God. And one of the sayings that was a cliche that was around for a long time was uh, just let go and let God. I, I think I, uh, I think I understand that there is something in that, an, an aspect of surrender, getting out of our own way. Sometimes we can be trying so hard that, and or have so many things in our hands as we try so hard that God can't get a hold of us to 
get us to where he wants us to go. And so there's a sense of surrender that brings us into a place where God can move in our lives. But it came to be a false kind of saying in the sense that it discounted the fact that we are to cooperate with God in the change process. And so not only are we not to be unthinkingly moving through the world and being conformed by the daily, uh, by the world and the patterns of the world, but we are to intentionally be formed uh, in the way of Jesus and to expose ourselves to those things that do change us. So the stories that we believe and uh, expose ourselves to and listen to and the voices you could say that we listen to and stories are uh, need to be true rather than untrue to help us along in our change process. Um, the habits that we form need to be habits of virtue, giving, fasting, praying, silence and solitude, um, a whole, uh, all, all that sort of stuff. We need to, um, be able to practice those things so that they can open us up to the grace of God and, and work deeper change within our lives. Um, the habits uh, become our destiny and where we are going in life. Uh, they build the life that we are building. They work on us. They do something to us as we do them. And then the third thing was relationships. Well, we all need a community and uh and uh, the church community of course is god's idea it's uh, a group of allies people that um are um, all on the same page in a sense we all want the same thing or at least we're there to discover that and and uh, so instead of it just being disparate relationships it's those relationships it's like that's a bit like a running partner or running partners or or gym buddies or you know you think about it a community do, essentially does a couple of things for us uh, one is it um, it it exposes uh, the things to us that we would perhaps not see left to ourselves uh, my wife is uh, was want to say uh, some time ago that um, that we that we could um, uh, when she first married me, that she uh, suddenly became such a terrible person, she said. But, of course, the reality was she didn't become anybody different. It's just that just that under pressure, she, uh, under pressure, she, sorry, there's somebody at the door all of a sudden and it's late at night and we don't even know who it is. Um, just that under pressure, um, uh, the pressure of community, really the pressure of a marriage community. It brought out all these other aspects that were there. But the other thing about community is that um, whether it's a marriage community or a church community, a faith community is that we encourage one another, not we expose one another in a sense, expose things in our lives as we living together and rub against each other and all that. But we also encourage one another. And so that what I want to say about intentional formation as opposed to unintentional formation is that effort is not bad. Effort is in fact good. Grace is not opposed to earning. Uh, or it's not the same as trying to earn your way. 
And so the Australian band many years ago called Skyhooks, some of you might not be old enough to remember that. Some of you might, they had a hit song, I think it was called, uh, you know, ego is not a dirty word. I would say that the scripture says that effort is not a dirty word as opposed to just let go and let God. There's really a, a coming together, a participatory uh, action with us and God. There's another saying that we can put in our discipleship basket, and that is that without us, God can't or God won't. And without God, we can't. That's it. <laughs> and so there's this coming together in the change process. There's a participation, Philippians 2, I think it's 11, 12, 13 talks about it. You know, work out our salvation with fear and trembling because um, God is at work in us uh, to, uh, to bring about his change process. So we work together with God in all those ways and, and that's how the change process happens. And of course, some of us cancel out the idea of practices of righteousness. People today, they call they use the language of spiritual disciplines uh, or spiritual practices. And, um, uh, and really, some of us cancel those things out because we've only ever heard of the word of righteousness as something that has been given to us as a gift through Christ's sacrifice to justify us by faith lest we boast and in having works of our own. But of course, there are various parts of scripture that quite clearly righteousness in those contexts don't speak of the idea of an imparted gift through Christ. But they speak of ethics. They speak of justice. They speak of seeking that which is right and doing right. Uh, and of course, Jesus said it in his summary statement, right smack in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, uh, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things he said will be added to you. And so righteousness in that context is that which we had a hunger and thirst after. And, uh, and, and that can be summed up again too. Uh, largely in terms of our character in being like Christ. And so with those ingredients, I believe that in our churches, we really need to um, teach the practices of righteousness and teach that they are not opposed to effort uh, um, um, the apostle Peter in second Peter chapter one said, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he go, went on to list a series of virtues and character traits, uh, make every effort. And he was one that was as flimsy as a reed. It says early on, but then became like a rock and underwent such a major change process. So he really, he got a hold of something there in terms of connecting his life to uh, to God's work so that they could work together and participate and to get some fruit and get some outcome. And so I'm going to finish there. And, uh, and of course, um, I just want to 
say that it's a lifetime journey. It's not an overnight thing. It's like you sow something. Uh, you don't expect to go and um, pick fruit off the next morning and you, and you have to nurture it and so on. But I want to read a prayer to you as we finish uh, in this message. And, and it's a prayer that says this, may God bless you with a restless discomfort about easy answers and half truths and superficial relationships so that you may seek truth boldly and love deep within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression and exploitation of people so that you may tirelessly work for justice, freedom and peace among all people. May God bless you with the gift of tears to shed with those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation or the loss of all that they cherish so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and transform their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can really make a difference in the world so that you're able with God's grace to do what others claim cannot be done. And I would add to that here to be changed in ways that those that know you best could never imagine. And the blessing of God, the supreme majesty and our creator, Jesus Christ, the incarnate word, who is our saviour and the Holy Spirit, our advocate and guide, be with you and remain with you this day and forevermore. God bless you. Thank you.